this is why I don't have much. I have, um, I thought this was interesting. Amazon Lex. I, I guess that's what it's called, Lex. Their own lightning experience. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's going to be really confusing now because now we have Amazon Lex, but they're apparently releasing the technology behind Alexa. Or at least making it available as its own standalone that oh, you can integrate. Build, convert, conversation bots. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm assuming it'll have some kind of API that you'll you know host on Amazon. Kind of similar to the way Microsoft has their kind of Cortana stuff built into Azure, and you can consume those APIs. That's what I'm thinking. It's a, uh, a service for building conversational interfaces using voice and text. It's powered by the thing that does the lady in the cylinder. And it provides high-quality speech recognition and language understanding capabilities. Yeah. Huh. Speaking of the lady in the cylinder, tangent. So, what, so wait a minute. You can, you can build, like, your own lady in the cylinder type of thing? I mean, or, or you can build these types of services in, like, maybe your own product or your own, your own service or system that has the, where you don't use. Yeah, the, I think the that's echo. the intent okay. is to build it into your own that's, products. And it's crazy that we live in this time where these companies are giving away so much technology. Um, Salesforce, not so much, but, you know, look at uh, Amazon, what? G- uh, Google. But ha- have they said that this is free, though? I don't, well, that's a damn good question. Pricing, no, it's not free. <laughs> that's what I was going to uh, say. <clears throat> I don't no, think, no, it's, I don't, okay, so the only thing that you pay for is the, it's, it's the a usage, right? service. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so Microsoft does the same thing, like you get a certain allotted, Trans, number of transactions after that you you buy some okay. tiered pricing and so then this can, is this is like they're not opening the technology they're not open sourcing anything right right okay, yeah okay. so uh, yeah okay it, it, uh, so it's probably is, more similar to like your mobile minutes where you get a certain amount and then if you go over you get you know charged you know what ten cents a transaction or something I don't know yeah well I, I, I could see how that would be super useful I'm going to keep that in mind for projects where we need uh, a, a a voice interface. I mean, how before this, how would you have done something like that? You wouldn't, unless you're Amazon or some of the one of the bigger guys. Well, I mean, you could. I, I just don't think it would have a lot of success. It also, would, does would your the app or thing you're building would it have to be would it have to have a solid internet connection constantly in order to use this? Oh yeah, I'm sure. So you can't run this locally. This is no. only as a service. Okay. Right. Hmm. All right. There's a lot of infrastructure behind these things. Yeah. A lot of data feeds. But anyways, as I was saying, because I wanted to get to my tangent, did you see that that commercial? What was it? A Burger King commercial, I think. Where they 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 got the in the commercial, they actually say A G. I'll, I'll, I'll say oh, Hey G. Uh, okay, okay, oh, dude. Yeah, they, uh, okay, okay, G. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, yeah, they actually got people's devices right? to yeah. to actually kick off. Okay, now I've noticed because I don't know how this works, but a lot of times in commercials, Amazon commercials, where they where they demonstrate it in the commercial and they say the key, the key phrase mm-hmm. and it does not wake mine up really? and I don't know why I can't figure it out but what I think happens is there's also something else coded in those commercials that the Echo is programmed for it and, and it knows that that's a special and, and it shouldn't respond to it it's a you know they don't respond to these if they might have some little you know subliminal little beep codes or something that that tells it hey just don't don't pay attention to this for the next two seconds yeah well because that that was the solution apparently that Amazon did kind of kill that commercial's uh effectiveness oh by, you said it was Google right not Amazon oh I'm sorry Google yeah, yeah. okay sorry so they, they they apparently have some way to ignore it or, or like you said maybe they're picking off of some some commercial background bleeps 
And I don't even have Hey, Hey Lady turned on. Do you? Uh, yeah. You I do? do? Okay, I don't. But I have to hold the button down to engage her on the phone. Oh, you're talking about your phone? Yeah. Hey, lady. Okay, don't you get this? We have okay. Okay. Okay, G. We have hey, lady. And then we have the lady in the cylinder and her, whatever her. You just say her name. Yeah. You don't have to say, uh, you know, hey. Right. You don't have to say hey or okay. But I'm saying the one on the iPhone, I don't have that enabled. The hey, lady. I do, but okay. I think it's only enabled if I have headphones on or something. Something weird like that. Oh, didn't know that was an option. Or it has to be. Yeah, I don't remember. It has to be plugged in or something. I think it has to be plugged in, and then it, and it'll work. Or if not, it it doesn't work. Hmm. I don't know something. Weird. My my boys are really disappointed that I don't have that turned on. I know. When when we got this, when we got the Echo, the kids for like an hour just sat there asking questions, asking it to tell a joke. Uh, uh, I made the mistake of installing the fart app, so <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> But now, you know, that's when we first got it. We've had it for like a year now. And now anytime at my house, you know, someone says, you know, wakes her up and starts, I, I immediately just say, cancel, cancel. I'm just, I, I just don't like hearing that thing. <laughs> and usually it's my kids just like in the middle of dinner or at an annoying time. I'm like, cancel. <laughs> don't want to hear it. Uh, you're your brain. I'm, I'm that dad. <laughs> your, your brain when when you use the word cancel, you project it so much as if you're actually talking it, to it. It really it triggers me. Yeah, I need a trigger it's, it's warning. It's a trigger warning. Yeah, <laughs> I stopped using shut up. I started just I saying know, cancel. Look, actually, you know what it is? Before someone engages her, I need a I need a trigger warning because I think then I would handle it better. <laughs> okay, John. Somehow I've gotten Evernote in some kind of mode where everything else on my screen is grayed out. Evernote bug. Yeah, that was a bug. Mm. I was oh. trying, to, was trying to... Hey, don't forget, uh, we need to be documenting titles. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm um, <laughs> trying to set up the sheet right now. No, you should have done that. We're, we're in the middle of recording now. All right, well, that was it. For, I have an Amazon thing, since you brought up an Amazon thing. Uh, do you, you know this guy, Andy Jassy, who's the uh, AWS, I guess, CEO whatever they call him, he's the head of C- a- AWS. Uh, he said that referring to uh, Oracle, he said, customers are sick of it. And I think he's talking about their lock-in. Mm. Um, so if you remember, or, uh, Mark Hurd, who is Oracle's, or one of Oracle's CEOs, called Amazon's cloud infrastructure old. You remember that? When, like yeah. at their last thing, he said, it, yeah. Amazon is old. It's old technology. And he said that you know Oracle was gaining share. Well, Jassy uh, recently just said uh, people are very sensitive about being locked in given the experience they've had the last 10 to 15 years. This is at the uh, AWS Summit, which I think was last week. And he says, when you, look at, when you look at cloud, it's nothing like being locked into Oracle. Uh, Jassy was addressing a cultural shift in the way technology is bought and sold. No longer does the process involve the purchase of heavy proprietary software with multi-year contracts that include annual maintenance fees. Now, Jassy says it's it's a choice, and uh, it's about choice and ease of use, including letting clients turn anything off, turning things off if they're not working. Um, now, my ask John here is, John, does that does that sound like the Salesforce cloud to you? Uh, not having to enter into multi-year contracts and being able to turn things on and off whenever you want. <clears throat> no, it doesn't, <laughs> because Oracle's old technology and Salesforce's new tech. I'm saying that sounds nothing like Salesforce. No. Because Salesforce does make you sign multi-year contracts, and they yeah, don't let you turn stuff on. But it's for new cutting-edge technology, Jeremy. That's the big difference. Yeah, 
He specifically went after Oracle's core uh, database business, saying that over the last few decades, it's been a lonely place for customers because of the high prices and vendor lock-in. So apparently, some people are still concerned about vendor lock-in, John. Actual technologists who are are actually in charge of running projects and keeping infrastructure running everything, those are the people who are cared about vendor lock-in. Well, it's like bell-bottoms. It comes back around. CMOs, VPs of sales, they don't give a crap about lock-in. That's not their problem. It's whatever CIO magazine says you should care about right now. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. That was it? I was thinking some more drama, man. I don't don't know. There might have been more. That was just a couple of snippets that I grabbed out of the article. I'll link it up. It was from CNBC. That works. Yep. That's cool. Did you hear about CodeStar? Nope. It's some kind of deployment technology for AWS. I meant to go into it more. I was hoping you looked into it because you're so into Star. Into deployments. No, and I haven't really done a significant AWS project in probably uh, over a year now. Like, that was real. Really? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's been a lot of changes and, and new things they've added that I haven't even checked out. Not that not that you have to have, like, a real project in order to check these things out because it's it's pretty easy. I just, you know, I just haven't gotten around to it. Well, okay, it, CodeStar. Here, I'm on it, the webpage. <clears throat> I, I looked it over and... It's a WordPress uh, thing. <laughs> what the hell is this, John? <laughs> It's not a WordPress thing. This is what Texas Dreamin's website was built on. <sighs> You're looking at the wrong site. The CodeStar framework. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't they at least get a unique name so that they don't have a Google fail like that? It's called AWS CodeStar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. From, from a high level, it almost seems like a um, starter pack for projects. Like, you can create... You can, everyone can create this project... And they can choose the tools that they want, and this tool somehow syncs and integrates it all, and so that they're all part of the same deployment path. It's I still have to read more on it. That was kind of my high level take, but you can create a project, and people so can <clears throat> develop with different technologies on that project, and then somehow it'll all kind of feed through. Okay, so it, it allows you. I'm reading this to easily manage your software development activities. You can set up entire continuous delivery tool chains in minutes, allowing mm-hmm. you to code faster. Makes it easier for your whole team to work together. Um, easily manage access and add owners, contributors, and viewers. So each each pro- okay each CodeStar project comes with a, a project management dashboard that's powered by Jira. Yay! Um, and let's see with with the dashboard you can easily track progress across your entire software development process. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. And it's not just software, but it's also IDEs and things. Apparently, it'll It'll kind of sync them all up. Visual Studio, Eclipse, those kind of things. What are, they, what are they going after here, though? What is this all about? I think I, the only thing, I, I was wondering the same thing. The only thing I could think of is maybe larger applications, you know, where you have you know a bunch of maybe some microservices and you have an API and then you have a front-end UI and then you have mobile technologies. And all of those could be built theoretically in all in different languages and different technologies, but yet they're all considered one product or one project. Yeah. And so I think that's the market they're going after is, is those really big, really heavy applications. <clears throat> I mean, you can, you know, you can obviously already have build systems that do that kind of thing. I just, I wonder what's different about this. I think just kind of the packaging it up and, hmm. you know, making it easier for people. Well, so what are, I mean, did you analyze this or what are people no, saying? No, no, I, I did a, I did a high level cursory read of it. I had, I didn't get a chance to go into it more. Well, why don't you do some homework and report back to us, John, on what you think of that? I'm here for an awareness. I'm here oh, for awareness. Not for details. Don't come to me for details. Right. I'm just here for awareness. You're like that, uh... <laughs> Oh, we don't actually do the things we recommend. Right, exactly. We just recommend them. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question for you. So, um, 
in the last release or two, I'm not sure which one, they, uh, and so this is back to Salesforce. So with pick list values, one of the, one of the shortcomings forever that's just like, really, you, you can't do this on Salesforce um, was uh, with pick list values couldn't have a, a label. You can't do this yeah. with Salesforce. Thanks. Oh, that was delayed. Yeah. Picklist label couldn't have a, a like a label that was separate from the value that got saved in the database, which is unlike I don't know any other system that I'd ever worked on before Salesforce. Whether it was, I mean, gosh, even down to like things like Microsoft Access, you know, you have a picklist, but <clears throat> and this is what gets shown to the user. But then what gets you can have a different you know value associated with that text label that gets stored to the database. Well, Salesforce has now added that. You know about this, right? No. Are you serious? Wait a minute. Say that again. I said it like three times. I repeated myself. You want me to say it again? Yeah. Okay. You going to listen this time? Yes. Okay. Compute your face out of your monitor? Yes. <laughs> Just say the last part again. Okay. You can have, in, in a dropdown, in a pick yes. list, okay, yes. you have each entry yes. you know, is, in addition to the label that gets shown to the user in that, right. you can have a different value that's what is actually gets saved to the database. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I'm you, aware of that. Okay. So, when you go in and uh, anytime you go in and set up and you edit a pick list, you now have like the value. Mm-hmm. There's a different you know UI now for this. You have the value, and then you ha- and you have the well, sorry, you have the label. The label, and then you have yeah. like you know the the what other systems call the value. You have the right. value and the label, and and Salesforce instead of calling that like I don't know label and value or database value or whatever, they call that API name. Which is like, oh, that's cool because that's what Salesforce calls any any more techie thing is like an API name right. or a developer name in some cases. They're actually quite quite inconsistent about this. But um, this was this was not this was a big miss here, I think, and that's because it's not it's not an API name. It's not a, a an identifier for a field or something. It's a value. So everyone everyone that I've worked with on uh, on one of these thinks that you have to like let's say that you're your your label is United States of America, mm-hmm. okay, with with proper spaces and everything. They think the API name has to be United underscore States underscore of underscore America, because it's an API name. But oh. that's the thing; it's not an API. Oh. Name. It's just the database value that gets stored to the database. Yeah, I get it. It's not the API name of the field that you're the picklist field you're using. It's not the API name of anything. It's the it's the database value. Really, that people are really customizing it's, the the underscores. They are, yeah. I mean, admins that know what they're doing, yes. I, I just find that rare. Most people type in the name with spaces and and numbers and everything, and all that gets converted to underscores, and they just let it happen. Punctuation, yeah, right? But but they've been trained. Everyone knows that you know you can't have spaces in API names, right? Well, but and here you can, because this is, it's not an API name. It's just simply the database file. It can be any alphanumeric, you know. Any any Unicode value can be put in here. Of I'm sure there's a maximum length, but you can have whatever you want. I did, it probably has to be unique. I'm sure, mm-hmm. but other than that, there's no constraint. But it but because it's called API name, people think it people think they can't use spaces, and that's got to be a valid what traditionally would be a valid API name, you know, identifier right. in Salesforce. So yeah, I just wish they wouldn't have called it that. I'm aware of them, but I haven't used them yet. Do you, <clears throat> can you supply the API name and the label? And it'll work just fine. And from what context? Um, let's say I have some code and it uses API names, so it submits that. It's it's got to be the value that's got to be the label. Yeah. It's got to be the label, or it's got to be the API name. The API name. Mm. So you can't. 
You can't flip-flop between, okay, this code sends the label and this code sends the API name. It always has to be the API naming code. And, you know, I hadn't worked a lot with the, from an API or like data loading or whatever perspective. I had not worked much with the state and country pick list yet. Mm. But apparently on those, and actually I could be wrong. It, it might be the same. It might be the same with these pick list uh, values. My understanding is with the state and country pick list is that you can still, like, for example, uh, billing country, mm-hmm. right? From an API perspective, you can still actually provide billing country if it's the exact correct label. Mm. Or if you're going to provide the code, billing country code, then, of course, then it does have to be the, the right you know, ISO, co- ISO code or whatever it is. Um. Yeah, I, had, I actually wasn't aware how those worked. I'm. I'm th- this is a segue, actually, an unintentional segue. I'm going to jump down if I can find it here. Um, I don't even I don't know if I have a topic for it, but something I wanted to ask you about or just talk about. Yeah. Um. So, so I've got this. Oh, it's called a, you know, uh, single page app. This is another another Angular because I just love Angular so much. Um, another Angular app and. It, this screen is is dynamic in that it has to do a lot of like reading of the meta of metadata mm-hmm. to know um, what fields, what values, pick list of values, or and I'm not hard coding a lot of that. I mean, some of it's hard coded. In fact, yeah, like the fields that are being like the layout of fields is is, is hard coded. I'm not like because can't, you can you can actually read page layouts through metadata to know like kind of how to dynamically lay out a screen. I'm not doing yeah. that. Yeah, but pick list values, things like that, I am. And, uh, you know, I was looking, oh, gosh, this is going to segue to another topic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is interesting. Uh, I, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm playing around with a metadata API, and I'm uh, just, you know, using, you know, a little, let's say I'm using curl or, you know, some tool to, to hit the REST API. And I'm just looking at, okay, what do I, and actually I was trying to, I was trying to also try to figure out, okay, how do I, because I needed to do state and country pick lists. Mm-hmm. And I realized in the screen that I need to have, basically I need to build this dependent drop, this two dependent pick lists, right? One for country. You have to pick a country first because mm-hmm. that determines which states are available, states or provinces are available. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, how does the metadata even represent that? I didn't even, I have not, I have not done state and country pick lists with metadata. So I'm looking at the metadata result because I know I've got to figure out like, all the states that are available, I mean, you know, states and provinces, only certain ones are going to be available for certain countries. And I'm like, I have no idea how they represent that. So, I, I you know, I do a metadata call to get, uh, this is on account object, to get account metadata. And this is, you know, this work has some decent customization, but nothing crazy. I mean, they've got, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. maybe 20 or 30 custom fields, not 400 custom fields like some companies do. And the metadata reply for account only was over one meg. And it's really complex. Like I copied and pasted the result in, into um, uh, Sublime, and then for, you know, pretty, pretty printed it for JSON. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just gigantic, really. And on, and on top of that, um, this is another homework for you. Look at how they associate the state uh, for any time there's dependent pick lists. Look how they, and in this case, the state and countries. Look how they associate like the state pick list values to which country they're available to. It's this like. It's a kind of bit shift thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to do some bit shifting. It's it's a it's it's a bit. It's basically a bit set, or mm-hmm. a, you know, and it's represented as um, like a hex encoded value. Right. But you have to do all this, you know, and some, you definitely have to do some bit shifting to figure out which which values are available for which controlling values. Right. And so again, not 
in addition to the just, and this is just one object, the over one megabyte, just to get some feels for an object. But then on top of that, there's all this. Once you've got that, and by the way, your browser has parsed that JSON, then you can start all your processing, your bit shifting, your putting bit, bit. stuff on the screen. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and I'm like, you know what? Now I know why. Now I have more sympathy for the Lightning team, the Lex team, right? Because <laughs> I, in fact, I'm like, man, I'm going to have to find the URL to that uh, dancing, you know, rainbow logo so I can show this while I'm <laughs> while I'm downloading it. And, it. and it's just the account, you know, and it's, it, it takes, it's, you know, it's one and a half. So, and it, here's the other thing. And I'm sure Salesforce does things to, to um, enhance performance of this. But <clears throat> from the time that you request the metadata um, AP, uh, for just account until I got the answer was over two seconds. And I was doing it, I thought, well, maybe on subsequent calls uh, it's faster because they cache it or something. And I think they do. I, I swear I've read that like metadata is optimized in cache, but it still takes mm-hmm. over two seconds just to get that account metadata to the browser, right? Again, then on top of that, now your browser's got to parse through, you know, a megabyte or two or, or more. Like imagine these orgs that have three or 400 fields and lots of other stuff, tons of layouts or whatever. I mean, this, this could be many megabytes for one object. Again, then your browser has to uh, parse that JSON into into job into actual JavaScript objects, yeah. And then you do stuff with it. I mean, this could be five, six, seven, eight seconds before I can show a screen. Well, yeah, maybe maybe we should cut the rainbow some slack then, huh? Well, I mean, it's just I don't know. You know, it's it's super easy to criticize Salesforce <laughs> for the rollout of Lightning. Um, for the state it's in, I mean, there's still ridiculous stuff. You know, you, I just heard an example this week. Like, I think it's that you can't you can't invite contacts to an event in Lightning. Like, you have mm-hmm. to switch. I'm like, that's a basic thing. And and for a lot of companies that are new to Salesforce, rolling out Salesforce now, um, and their and their employees have never been trained on Classic, it's just a deal breaker. Like, you switching to Classic to do to to do like one or two things, even though it's just a quick thing. Like, oh, you see, okay, just switch to Classic for that. Take a couple seconds and switch back. That's a deal breaker. They look at Classic and they're like, whoa, they've never seen it. They've never been trained on it. <laughs> and to train them on two completely different user interfaces that were built uh, basically 20 years you know, apart from each other is, is just a deal. It's not going to work. No, that's why you have custom code. I guess. I mean, that's just... That's not a great answer either. Either, but anyway, my, my let me pop the sack a little bit. I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, there's stuff wrong with Lightning. There's still, and, and I do think I I would overall agree with how they prioritize the, the the feature gap that still exists. Um, they've started, you know, they started on sales, right? That makes the most sense. Salesforce is a Salesforce is still a CRM company. That's their mm-hmm. main thing, and it made sense for them to prioritize things the way they did. And and the thing is, is they are adding still adding functionality at a fast pace, right? But at the same time, they have this huge performance problem. And so they've been trying to optimize performance. So imagine you've got a, you've got a team that's implementing, or pro- mo- lots of teams that are implementing lots of features. And you probably have another team of like JavaScript runtime super nerd experts that are trying to make this thing go fast, right? Mm-hmm. But, it's, <laughs> but as they're making things go fast, the problem is the moving target. These guys, you know, every time they ch- go to check their coding that made stuff faster, these, this other team has checked in a lot of new features, which are slow. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and in, in, in a company itself, again, this is Salesforce's enterprise software now, without a doubt. You know, I think I've made that clear for 
I don't know, a long time now. They are definitely enterprise oh, they, were, they were way ahead of you on in, that In one. many ways, in, in how they function, <laughs> in how they sell, in how they contract, in how they build the software, in who the software is made for. I mean, in their strategy, they are, every, they're, they're, you know, and on the stakes that you have to go out for. Everything about them is enterprise software. Uh, and this is, and when you are in it, at the scale of enterprise software, again, and their scale is enterprise. That's that's probably one of the most important, I mm-hmm. think, criteria. I mean, they're a multi-billion dollar company. It's this is enterprise software. It's made for, it's made for large enterprises to be able to run at that scale. Uh, you, you know, it, it's it's extremely you don't you don't turn a freighter on a dime i'm sorry, kind of lost my track, train of thought there for a second you don't you know you can't turn a freighter like this on a dime i mean they are you know reinventing the entire ui of of their whole suite of software and it's just again it yeah there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of problems with lightning still i mean you know you can look at the the feature gap list, or you know, I've listened. I listen to some of these other podcasts with, that actually do a lot more actual consulting and admin stuff than I do, and it's that's I, I have to I have to take other people's word for it because I just I don't, number one I don't work with Lightning, <laughs> I don't have any clients that can use it, and plus I mean most of the work I do it's it's all custom, so it's I'm not I'm not doing Salesforce configuring and page layouts, and so I just I just don't I'm not gonna. I don't know near as much about Lex as like a lot of these guys who are that's day in and day out. They're they're configuring Salesforce for people, right? <clears throat> and so I, you know, I listen to them. And there's just there's a lot of gaps still, but uh, it's you know this is what it is. I think they're, you know, I, I can be critical about how Salesforce is is using its resources. You know, they could they could probably spend less money on parties and more money on engineering, but but anyway for you know, for however they are allocating their resources. It's just, it's an extremely difficult job. And, you know, I, I can't sit here and name you a company that I think could, that could have executed better, you know? But it is, it, it just, it still is what it is, which is, it's not ideal. It's, it's uncomfortable. We are still in a, you know, lightning is in this uncanny valley of, oh, look at, you know, it's starting to look, and <laughs> someone the other day told me that, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm actually starting to like lightning now. You know, starting it's growing on me. It's and I think that's because it's just more stuff works. There's more stuff there, and the performance isn't as bad as what it used to be. It's you know people are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel on this. Yeah. It's like I can see this actually working, and it's not so bad anymore. I mean, it still has things where you know you're just you're doing something in opportunities, and you get like one of these runtime error pop up. I saw a thing that I actually took a video, but I didn't show you. But it was the the error that's like generic, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they have their you know custom Lex dialogue, <clears throat> fan, you know, that yep. pops up, and it's like, hey, we know, and it's got some, you know, it's got some Java or JavaScript, you know, dotted package name in a class, and right. it's got some error, and then it disappears, and then the rainbow starts animating, but it's like it's all broken and messed up. It keeps like restarting, and then the error kind of that the the dialogue pops back up again and it goes away. I mean, the, this thing is absolutely having a conniption like. Uh, you know, seizure of some sort. <laughs> and it's just, it's going, you know, it's coming, it's going away, it starts drawing to the rainbow again, then pop-ups, and it was doing this, oh, and I've got a video of it over and over and over. Did this for like 30 seconds. Wow. And I'm like, this is, I mean, imagine you're doing a demo or you're in, in the middle of training and this like, it's, it just starts wigging out. I mean, so that that stuff still happens. but And that's but just because they're, I think they're still developing it probably at a breakneck speed. And Yeah, definitely. You're going to have stuff like that that just slips in. 
That's what that is what hot fixes are for. <laughs> We're gonna have to bookmark this episode. Jeremy's being so positive on lightning and the development well, and engineering. And yeah, I'm in a good mood. I'm being I'm in a generous. <laughs> what was mood in that today. beer? I don't know. Speaking, of, I guess we should um, the, introduce the beer of the day, the beer of the show. I guess. Yeah. This was kind of a. We were desperate, or I was desperate. John doesn't even want to drink beer anymore. But I drank it. I'm finished. Yeah, yeah I'm forcing him to because <clears throat> I'm such a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> this is Victory's, uh, what's it called? Golden Monkey. It's a uh, Belgian triple, which you'd think would be like a darker beer than a Belgian double. Really? It's triple. Oh. You'd think that, yeah. You know, because I, I, I you know, I, I, a um, a Belgian like a well, they're not called a standard though it's whatever there's a, there's a word for that that's like the base Belgian beer is a light a little bit even lighter than this mm-hmm. almost pilsner color and it's right. you know it's a little sweet and it's um you know got that Belgian yeast flavor or whatever and then a double is actually a play on a on a brown ale it's dark right. but then yeah. a triple which you think might be like a black stout or something no a triple is back to this you know. It's like a dark pilsner. I mean, it's I mean, it's not a dark pilsner. It's it's a, sh- a hair lot darker than a pilsner, right? Yeah, I have to look at yours because I'm done with mine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's um, you know, it's not bad. It doesn't rate the best in the world, but it's consistent and it's I think it's well made. I'm a did, fan of Victory. It, this is it. this is by Victory, by the way. And uh, where are they? Pennsylvania somewhere? Oh, you would know. I wouldn't. <clears throat> did it warm you up though? Because I know that was your requirement. A little bit, yeah. And it's, it's chilly today. It's crazy. It's been the fifties. Is it in the 50s? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. And it's windy, which makes it feel a lot colder. Yeah. Yesterday, it was close to 90, wasn't it? 80, something like that. I guess. Um, anyway, so I need to segue to my next thing, <clears throat> which is the tool that I was using to uh, play around with the REST API and the, some of this metadata stuff. By the way, if you do, if you just go to whatever it is, you know, I think you have to do your version, then like slash services, mm-hmm. I mean, a list of different you know, API services now is it's, there's like twenty different services. Oh yeah, and I don't even know what half of them are. What is there's Eclair? The, What's Eclair? Oh, I haven't heard of Eclair. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I'm sure someone in the. But yeah, there, there's a lot of. Want to let us know a lot of them. <laughs> um, no, I, I was using. Um, I, and I heard someone talk about this. I've never used it before, which is crazy because I'm always looking for like the best ne- native Mac apps for things. I, well, I just like, like almost as much as you. You're like, you know, you're all about native apps. Yeah. <clears throat> But I've used for a long time uh, this app called Postman. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I use it all the time. Okay, and it's a you can either use the. But it's not native. No, it's it's a it's a Chrome plugin, but it's also a Chrome app. It's not so a plugin anymore. I, uh, <laughs> 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 I'm gonna just let John finish all my sentences. Right I know Postman. Yes, I it's love a, Postman. It's right, it's available as a standalone app, and you, but you well, can get it through the Chrome Store, right? No. Oh, no. Okay. No, they, it's it's getting killed off. The Chrome Store plugin. So I, I think just, the whole Chrome extension thing is getting killed off or something. I don't what? know. There's some weird blog post they made about, you know, that's not going to be available on that anymore. We've transitioned to the, the standalone app only. Yeah, okay. Which is an Eclipse app. I mean, a, a Electron app. The new Postman is? Okay. Always been the standalone. Well, I'll say if, if, you're, uh, if you're on a Mac, you should, and you, you do this kind of thing, check out Paw. Have you heard of Paw? Like a dog paw. That sounds familiar. I think I did look at it. It's you know similar. To, it does this. It solves the same problems as Postman, but it's it's a native Mac app. It's really well done. <clears throat> um, it's great for exploring APIs, but it's also it's designed for building APIs. So you can, 
you can design your APIs and you can document them, like all the, the names and the parameters and descriptions of things. And it supports, what was the, um, oh, not APRE, what, what's the um, Swagger? Like it supports the Swagger data format, mm-hmm. which is now, I think, the open API data format for um, for like importing and exporting that the, you know your API design or whatever it's called. It's nice. It's not free though. It's fifty bucks, but I'm I'm on the trial right now. But I, you know, it's I'm liking it. Yeah, I I just looked at the website. I have not seen this, so this looks pretty awesome. It's got tons of extensions. Look at the extensions too. When you get a minute, um, well, don't don't get I mad know. at me for browsing while we're on the show though. But I discovered something else, which I also feel like I'm like, how did I not know about this? There's something called HTTP. Have you heard of HTTP? No. It's basically designed to be a curl. You know, you've used, used curl, right? Yeah. It's designed to be a curl replacement. It does like. It hand it, you know, like if you get a JSON response or something, it pretty prints the JSON and it like it's just huh. it seems to be easier to use. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I love curl. It's like you know, it's available everywhere and it's it's solid. But yeah, HTTP is like a nice replacement for curl. That sounds cool. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I like I really like Postman. I use that a lot. Is it Postman or Postman? Postman. Postman. I don't know. Depends on uh, which. Which emphasis on the syllable should be post person? Yeah. Oh, that's a. You know what? Use paw because Postman is a is a bigoted sexist app. That's right. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, what else? Uh, what else is going on, Johnny boy? Um, I think we should get to questions because I think there's there's quite a few of them and there's a uh, they're fairly in depth. You know, um, before we dig into the questions, uh, that just reminded me. Um, we, I, you know, if you look at our statistics, our numbers, um, about half of at any given day, people, you know, uh, when we when the show gets downloaded, mm-hmm. about half of people are just behind. They're not on the. They're not listening to the latest show. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. <clears throat> and that's, just, that's the that's the uh, that's the great thing about podcasts. You can listen to them when you when you're ready. I guess so, but I, it also makes me wonder. You know, should we either do you know, maybe a shorter shows in general or like one quick short show or skip a week. I was even thinking like, maybe we should skip a week and let everyone catch up. Because people are, you know, in, you know, in the Slack, people are like, oh yeah, I'm just still catching up. I'm a few episodes behind. And, you know, I feel like now we're, everyone's on the different page, you know, that no one, it's like. I think it'll happen in June because you'll be on vacation for a week and I will be on vacation for a week. So there'll be like two solid weeks where we're not going to record. Yeah. So it might just happen automatically. I just feel like I mean, are we throwing? Are we are we putting too much content? Is this, is our almost two hours a week? Is that just too much? Well, that's, that might be a better question. Is it too much content? Should we trim the banter and stick straight to the yeah. to the core? Maybe we of should it? do one. Didn't you to the meat? Don't we have a polling thing in the Slack? Yeah, team. Okay, maybe we should do one of those. You know, is it just right? Too long or not long enough? And if it's not long enough, then sorry, we're not going to make it longer. <laughs> I can't sit here and look at John's face for any longer than what we already do. I just looked down at my screen. <clears throat> Put some music on. So All right, so you want to get to questions? I mean, I have a bunch of other stuff, but I don't really? know. Not, nothing that's like super great. I mean, All right, let's do your questions. Okay, let me pull up. Let me pull them up too. because I'll get them on the screen. You want to go in? Uh, let's go in order of of ask. No, because th- there's two of them that I think are almost complimentary. That I and one of them we owe because you had postponed on it. Oh, did we? Okay. Right. Okay. Well, you go ahead and read because I don't. I'm, I'm. You're more organized on these than that. By the way, I love getting questions. Thank you so much. If 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 you listening, you listener, if you have questions, 
or a question that you want to ask us or that you're, you know, you want to get our opinion on, or if you have just an idea on a topic or something you want us to talk about, send us an email, info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Uh, we love getting, we love getting emails on that email box. Yeah, Jeremy gets all excited. Yep. He dances in his pants. Okay, let's let's do it. All right, so I don't remember last time if we used his name or not, but it didn't say to this time, so we're going to keep it off. Um, as an admin who wants to start looking into being a developer, what and how would you recommend getting started? And I, 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 I kind of tie these two questions together because um, Roger Mitchell sent us a couple of questions asking, you know, what our first computer was, what our first language was, um, what was the first language we mastered? Does that play into this conversation at all? Maybe. Let's, let's do the other one first. I almost said his name. Uh, he probably doesn't care, but he didn't explicitly give us permission, and that's our policy. That's right. So, <laughs> you know who you are. You've missed your, your 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> <laughs> you got any titles yet, John? No. Uh, see? So I'm warning you. I'm reminding the you. The title is no title. No, that's not, that's not acceptable. Not an option. Not an option. That's another title. All right. <laughs> uh, so what was, the, what was the first question again? Re- reread, please. As an admin who wants to start looking into being a developer, what and how would you recommend getting started? And I'm, I'm assuming that this, since this, this is in the context of Salesforce, maybe not developer general since we're talking about admin moving to developer. I mean, there's, there's the Jeremy answer and then there's... Let's get the Jeremy the, answer. The Salesforce answer. Well, I mean, the, the well, G- well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Maybe I want the Salesforce answer and the Jeremy rebuttal. Well, the Salesforce answer would be... <laughs> trailhead? Yeah. Go Trailhead! <laughs> Get your badges. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, I don't even need a soundboard anymore. I got John here. <laughs> Go get your badges. Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. <laughs> <laughs> favorites um now the jeremy answer is i don't know like um maybe get an old copy of uh, sicp that that will probably i think that's probably the best introduction to but you're, you're talking about how programming to, how to, in general right yeah it's this person says they want to start they want to start looking into becoming a developer so here's here's where i think we have to kind of clarify before we answer is is are we talking Someone who's is a Salesforce admin who wants to be a Salesforce developer, or are we talking someone who's an admin has gotten the taste for that's development? That's what I told you. There's a Salesforce. Wants, there's wants a Salesforce a answer. De- wants to. I'm not going to use the word real. Who wants to be a kind of general developer, a programmer that can program in multiple languages? That's why I said there's two answers to this question. Right. I mean, the, the Salesforce answers do a bunch of trailhead. Um, I don't know. What do you? What do you? Isn't is there a book on Apex? Well, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of resources. Um, even some of the Trailhead gets into the development stuff. There's certifications. I mean, there's 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 communities. There's the uh, Salesforce community. There's Trailhead stuff. <clears throat> but yeah. none, of, none, of, none of that really. Yeah. I don't know that any of that really kind of makes you a developer. I think it's resources. It's information. Well, nothing makes you. Re- that's why everyone's a developer nowadays. I mean, this, the, the irony in this question, uh, this person already is a developer, according to Mark Benioff's definition. That aside, let, let's, 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 let's talk coder. Let's, let's, let's not use developer, let's use coder. And by, and by the way, we know that Mark Benioff knows what he's talking about because of this. 
I've never really read a book on computer science. So he knows what a developer is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you still do the show with me, John. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm just out of control. How can, how can you, how can you enjoy the good parts of life without the bad? You said this is a bad part? <laughs> I didn't say that. Well, that's, I just said, how can you enjoy the I'm smart the enough ad? to know what you're doing there, John. <laughs> well, let's, let's focus the conversation. Let's say you're an admin in Salesforce and you want to write, you want to start writing some triggers. I mean, I think the right thing to do is get yourself a developer org. Yeah, and absolutely. And start doing some stuff, right? Yeah, I, th- I think finding some blogs, finding some information yeah, on and, how to do and it. Seriously, like, I'm, I haven't done the trails on the developer stuff and Trailhead, but I mean, I would imagine that's probably a, a, a you know, a, a happy place to go. Uh, it's a safe space to learn, John. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, th- there's also websites if you want, just want to go general coding, like, uh, what is it, like Treehouse and Code Academy or Codeatomy or whatever it's called. Um, there's a bunch of others too like that that offer like courses on different languages and things. Code Daddy. Code Daddy. <laughs> uh, the Hour of Code. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. But I, th- I think one other thing that I don't think gets said a lot is probably find a mentor, find someone who can, you know, not, not someone who you're going to leverage as this all encompassing teacher, but someone who can bounce questions off of someone who, when you're don't you don't understand what? a concept, you can kind of talk to someone about it. I, you know, and I have a great suggestion for that. The hash code, not clicks channel in the <laughs> good say, good day, sir. Uh, Slack team. Yeah, that sounded weird when you said it. Hash, well, but how, what do you, how do you say that? Hash code, not clicks. That's the name of the channel. It's hashtag. It's not a hashtag. hashtag. <laughs> That's John doing his hashtag sign. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. You don't know how to, how to become a developer. Okay, well. No, I don't. So, because so, it's, I haven't, beca- it's been a long time since I became a developer. <laughs> and again, to your point, like, what does it even mean to be a developer? I mean, I don't, and they, and this person didn't say specifically, like, I, you know, it's just, this is just in the Salesforce context. I don't, you know, I don't care about, um, I don't know that systems that, programming. I don't care about, uh, you know, writing desktop apps. I just want to be, I want to learn how to be a Salesforce developer. I was just using that as a way to kind of focus the conversation to say, okay, yeah. it, you know, because I mean, programming is, is, a pretty general topic. Okay, let's, okay. So we talked about that. Let's talk about programming in general. What would you do? I'd say get a copy of SICP. SICP. Oh, it's just structure and interpretation of computer programs. Um, gosh, the author's name escapes me. Um, I, that book is. I think you can. It's. Def, it's like out of print. I think it's free. You can. I know there's like the PDF just online. Yeah, it's an MIT book. It's. Uh, I don't know the author. Sorry, but that really teaches you how. I don't know, I think. I think how to think. Mm-hmm. And how, not, it's not how machines work, but just uh, how, com- uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It teaches you the principles of computer programming, such as abstraction. That's actually, that's a great, that's what it teaches you well, is abstraction. Um, and metalinguistic abstraction, recursion, interpreters, and modular programming. So like a lot of these really important concepts that honestly most developers, most professional, and particularly I would say a lot of Salesforce developers don't, they don't have grasps of these concepts. And it makes them, le- it makes them uh, less effective developers as a, as a result. So yeah, start with the trailhead stuff, learn Salesforce-specific things if you want to, but then go back and do stuff like this. Um, how about a book on um, 
Uh, what are some other just ge- good general programming weeks? Um, um, uh, what's the, the the Gang of Four uh, <clears throat> design patterns? Yeah, that I don't know. if That's the best book to start learning design patterns. It may I don't know. That's I mean, it, it, it wouldn't hurt it, you to read it. I mean, it's 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 a good collection of all the patterns, and it's presented well. It's not all the patterns. Well, there's other patterns, but I know. But it's it's a good collection of some very. It is, but isn't good it in foundational? It's also patterns. in C though, is isn't it? C plus plus, I think. Or is it in Java? It's one of the two. Actually, it would help if it's in Java because that would be similar syntax to Apex. But yeah, um, I mean that's definitely a good one. There's there are other patterns books. I mean, uh, the, the, there's the Head First Patterns book. That's that's been around for a long time too, which may be, be a better introduction to patterns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but the thing about patterns though is that you kind of have to understand why you're using them. I think at some point, because it, it, it's almost like a framework. It, it's almost like you know, oh, I'm gonna go use React or something, but you're not really understanding why you're no, using that's React. True. And so, I, you know, definitely start with the foundation. Yeah. But the thing is, is these patterns, and, you know, some people kind of poo-poo patterns, but they're applied to the right problem. They're really you know, a good solution that you, the thing is, is they're oftentimes a solution that you would not really have thought of. You know, the patterns are just, in fact, in fact, if you, uh, the Gang of Four book in particular, which the name of is, what, does design patterns for reusable Object-oriented like software, yeah. something like that. I think if you just search mm-hmm. "Gang of Four book," it will come up. Yeah. Um, but they even talk about how they they call they discovered these patterns. They feel like they didn't even invent these patterns. <clears throat> but the thing is, is you know, a typical developer. I mean, it's you're not you might just you might just quote unquote discover something similar to one of these patterns. But in general, like it's much better to be able to read the works of people who have already discovered these things and thought about them a lot and then documented them. Well, they've gained some experience around them. They've, they've, right. You know, you're kind of leveraging some of the experience. They, they've they've been put into production. Yeah. They've been honed. They've been right. Yeah, because you'll find, you know, if you look at someone's code who doesn't know anything about patterns, you'll probably see a lot of spaghetti code. You know, probably very if you know, if they're in an object oriented language, they're going to be using hardly any object oriented features. It's just you know methods are simply just a place to hang a ton of code, and you have to put methods in classes. So that's why they use classes. <laughs> you know, it's just. Um, yeah, but I think even even saying all that, that's still one step too far, if I can say that. Also, um, there's a there's a there's a book that I sorry, we're not done. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, there's a book on uh, testing. I think it's the X unit testing patterns, and there there mm. ah, there's a lot of good books on testing. And this one's kind of long, which is the thing I don't think I don't like about it. Uh, but it's. It really taught me things about testing that I just would have never. It really goes in depth. It's ten years old now, but I still think it's a great book. Um, talks about all the uh, all the different types of uh, in, in, not ineffective, but all the ways you can build tests that are are fragile or are um, not ideal or whatever. So mm-hmm. there's all these smell kind of like anti patterns for tests, which taught me a lot about tests. It made me realize, oh crap, I've been doing that and I didn't even realize it. You know. And, and it's things that aren't necessarily the, the end of the world, but really, I mean, make your your test suite so much more effective and and functional. I think usable. Yeah, that makes sense. So I kind of want to transition because I, I think this kind of comp- plays into the thoughts that I have about programming. And I, I think for a lot of programmers, we didn't start out with the idea that programming was going to be our profession. I think we we had access to a computer. We started. Poking away at, you know... Are we getting into the other question? I think so. Okay. 
we, we started poking poking around with, I don't know, for me it was like, what, QBasic, I think. It was like the first thing I started playing with. And I, was, I wasn't thinking about design patterns. I wasn't thinking about being, building an application. I was thinking about no, getting the I computer my, to do something I wanted my stupid. name to like print all, you know, in diagonal across the screen over and over and over. Yeah. That's what I, that's, I mean, that's like some of the first code that I ever wrote was, you know. So my, the first code I ever wrote was a bunch of sounds. So making okay. some really obnoxious sounds. And then I started doing some line drawing and line offset drawing. So I drew a bunch of stick figures. I, I created this uh, splash screen animation for a... Wait a minute, Johnny. You tell me you didn't pu- publish a famous, you know, Atari or Amiga game by the age of 18? No. I never got past the, the splash screen phase, uh, phase of Q Fighter because it was Q basic. <laughs> okay. And I just had a stick fitter. And it, it did a, like a little uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Hadouken, or maybe no, maybe, I think it was probably probably more inspired by Street Fighter, a Street Fighter Hadouken, and, and uh, little. You apparently wrote drew. better basic games than I did. It wasn't a game; it was just it was just an animation I drew. The best the best basic animation things I ever did was, and this is after I got a fully uh, two hundred fifty six color VGA display, was <laughs> which was like my third computer. But it was um, I would make different different objects move all over the screen, but it it would cycle through, you know, the full array of VGA colors, which seemed like a ton at the time. 256 colors was mm-hmm. huge. Um, but it was, was kind of cool. It's almost, it was almost, you know, not as good as like, you remember the Dazzle screensaver for PCs from forever ago? No. Yeah, you're probably not. I don't know. You're old enough, you just, I don't know what you were doing then. <clears throat> but it's kind of like that. Like, it was just, I had all these different objects that were always changing colors and moving across, over, you know, around the screen at, mm-hmm. in random directions and velocities. That was... Uh, was the height of my basic programming, <laughs> but so okay. So I'll, I guess I'll. So that answers your. <clears throat> what was your first? Well, my, computer so my question, first right? computer was a. Uh, actually, hmm. The first computer I had in my house was an IBM PS2, and it was a two eighty six. Hmm. But it was a it was a two eighty six twelve megahertz. I think yeah, twelve megahertz. Um, but that, that was not really mine. I couldn't really use it that much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I remember my mom, who I didn't live with, she also got a, a, a PC and I, it was a two, no hard drive, two, two, five and a quarter floppies with a, with an EGA, it was either CGA or EGA screen. So either I had no colors or like, like 16 colors. Um, and I really hosed that computer up because I was, you know, again, you have two floppies, that's it. Mm-hmm. And the reason there's two is because if you don't ha- if you don't have a hard drive, the only way to copy something to a floppy is you have to have from one floppy to another floppy. So right. I had two, you know, right next to each other. But I was, um, I think I was like ran out of space for my, you know, I don't know, my basic programs or something because that's the only thing I could do on that computer. And so I was like, well, what is all this crap on this disk? I can delete some of this. So I was like deleting like, I didn't know what autoexec.bat or config.sys or anything. <laughs> I'm just deleting all this crap. <laughs> and the computer wouldn't boot after that. So I think I got in trouble. But I I um I bought um an an old IBM um XT eighty or an XT oh, I think it was an XT it was an eighty eighty eight I'm not I don't know how much RAM it had uh, you know what I take that back it was it had a giant board about this big like I mean literally almost the size of you know what is it's probably an eighteen inch long board wow. that plugged into an you know an ISA slot and it was full of 100 totally populated these memory chips and i think that took me from 512 to 640 so that whole board was like 128k of extra of ram 
<laughs> and how old were you when, when <clears throat> I think it was I was in middle school. Really? But I bought that for like a hundred bucks from somebody. Mm. Well, I think stole it from their employer. I'm not sure. <laughs> but that that was my that that was in my room. So that was my personal, literally my personal computer. And that's when I got into BBSs and stupid games and stuff. Nerd. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the first language was basic. I did a lot of basic for a long time. That was like the only thing I knew. And then I got into Pascal. Mm. Did some Pascal for a while. And then um, and then I learned C because uh, I wanted to customize some of this BBS software and it was written in C. Uh, the first language I mastered, yeah, and he says, recognizing that it's, it's unlikely to ever master a language yet. I, I've by no means even come close to mastering a language. I don't know what language I'm most comfortable with. Probably Java. I've just done more Java than... I mean, I could say Apex, I guess. But I feel like Apex is such a simple language. There's not much to master there. Yeah. It's missing so many features that that would make it an interesting and more complex language that would be harder to master, you know? I'd have to say Java, I guess. All right, what's your story, John? Well, I never really owned a computer until I was a lot older. I was poor. <laughs> Age. I was poor too. Yeah. Did I tell you what I got? Did to buy? Well, okay. So I ended up my, I guess, fourth computer was a brand new 486 DX266 with four megs of RAM that was $2,000. And I fried tacos and cleaned for two years to pay for that computer. Wow. So you had the bug way before I did. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had the bug in spots. So, at some point, someone would get rid of like like I think I had a Tandy at some point, and someone had gotten rid of it, and it ended up in my house. And we started we had it came with some books and the code. It was cartridge based, but there was books that you could program as well. And so we had the books, and we would just type in whatever was yep. in the book. Yep. You were just copying. Did you ever type in programs from a, for out of a magazine, a computer magazine? Not from a magazine, but from these books. And it was it was I was so easy to to mistype something, yeah. create a bug, and there was really no debugging tools or anything. You just you just had to read and read and read until yep. you found your mistake. It's kind of like Apex and Visual Force now when it gives you like line zero, like a... Oh, yeah. It's like, okay. It's <laughs> oh, like, all right. It's like, wow, now I'm back to, you know, 1982 computer technology. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have no idea where this problem is because the stupid compiler won't tell me. And even when I got older and I started getting to basic, it was really still with inherited computers or some computer no one wanted that I would take or some, some, uh, some company was selling off their old crap that they didn't want or giving it away. And that's what I took. It wasn't until yeah. I got much older that I actually bought a computer. And I worked for a computer company. Yep. <laughs> uh, lang- in terms of uh, language, basic. You were a visual basic master. Basic and then visual basic is, is what I really got into. Um, in fact, I kind of feel like I grew visual basic. So I started wanting to do more low-level stuff. So I started programming against the API, yeah. the Windows API. Right. So I bought, I bought like the whole... What was it like? Two hundred bucks for that thing for the oh, whole encyclopedia of the Windows the, API? The, the Petzold book, yeah, um, Charles Petzold, right? Um, I think it was like ten books. Programming Windows or whatever. Yeah. Oh, you're talking the one from Microsoft Press? Yeah. Okay. It, it just documented the yeah. entire encyclopedia, API. Yeah, it was just an, yeah. It was, and that was literally before the internet, so you you, know, <laughs> you had to buy the damn books. Yeah, and it was it was like it was a lot of books. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and and it was it wasn't easy because the data types didn't match up. A long was not the same long in VB. An integer wasn't right. the same VB integer yeah. in in that. So there was all kinds of crashes and things just from things just not translating between the API and, and things like that. But I felt that's when I felt like I was a programmer because I was doing all this stuff and calling these APIs and doing things that I just didn't know how to do. But I was yeah, experimenting. I mean, you, you, I mean, you did things with visual with 
Visual Basic programs that I really had not seen anyone else do. I remember seeing some of your stuff and being like, damn, that's a good-looking app, man. <laughs> that's, that's Visual Basic? I mean, it yeah. didn't look like Visual Basic. You know, because you know what most Visual Basic apps look yeah. like. You know, yeah. text boxes of different height and giant buttons and just, they're always ugly. Oh, and that, that stupid frame, that, that inset frame yeah. that was around everything. What was that called? I, I don't know, but I mean, you clearly were doing like serious customizing to, yeah. and like custom, you were doing like custom controls and, you know, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, but that, that came with, with a lot of trial and error because some of my first programs, they were pretty ugly. Because, yeah, I, 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 you get the bug. You're like, oh, I can change that button color. Yeah. Oh, well, now I can style it completely different. <laughs> right. And it became this, like, huge thing. And I put, like, cheesy graphics and a GIF here and, and made it do stupid stuff until you start developing a sense of taste and yeah. style. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess Visual Basic was probably the first language. And then, of course, when C Sharp came out, I transitioned to that. Yeah. And so I was, I was primarily C Sharp. I tried Java. Um, I think at the time I was doing VB. Um, but like I said, I just never, I could never get into it. Plus, I didn't like the UI. There's no UI. I know, there, the were, UI. there was no UI. But there, there was like all the, these packages, I forgot what they were at the time, but there were like concepts of UI frameworks that you could kind of mm-hmm. plug in and use. There were components and things, but I, I just never, I never got into it. There was, um, God, what was Java's, uh, what was before, um, uh, what was their what was their UI API called? I forgot. Um, it was before Swing. I can't remember the name of it. Ah. Anyway, uh, yeah, Java UIs were. You know, the thing is, um, you can do good UIs in Java. It's just that, so, I, you know, just like VB developers, most Java developers really have no business creating UIs. <laughs> That's the that is the problem. <laughs> Well, th- right. that, can, that can be used to segue to one of our other questions, but um, th- this uh, email also came with a topic idea. And I'm right, not... Well, that's so we're closing out Roger. So thank you, Roger, for that question. Well, no, this is still Roger. Oh, we're still in Rogers. Yeah. Okay. Well, he, he had questions, but he also had a topic idea. And, and we can choose whether or not we want to hold this or, or, <clears throat> or continue it. But uh, the topic is Oxford style debate. Well, so maybe, maybe we do need to push it and try to set up some kind of debate format. But why use Agile, capital A, for implementing Salesforce with tangible examples? I wouldn't mind tangible examples. I mean, I I can uh, I'd have to anonymize, but I can I mean I can give you examples of when I've used Agile very successfully. Um, and and, and but I, I think for a debate to happen, we have to have two points viewpoints, and then kind of like a back and forth style. It's too much homework. Yeah, that's true. Jeremy doesn't like. Let's homework. just I don't know. I mean, I'll just say like I don't think there's anything special about Salesforce that that makes Agile even any more or less applicable or necessary. I mean, if you, if you believe in the principles of Agile and the, and the benefits, then I think you would want to apply those to Salesforce. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I mean, Agile isn't tied to any particular language or, or anything like that. So it's, it's not like, it's not like there's yeah. anything specific about Salesforce. I mean, to me, the, I mean, to me, the big benefits are, and I believe it, it mitigates risk. It, at, um, and again, he's saying capital A and Agile, which I don't even know, honestly, what... Agile's gotten so... There's so many different ideas, and and so, much, so many things have been refined really well, but also so many things have been abused, and I don't even know what that means anymore, but... I'm thinking Agile strict mode on. Yeah, and I, I just think he means um, <laughs> Agile as in when we talk about Agile software development. Right. Um, but if you're doing things right, I mean, if you're iterating quickly and you are always having you know the customer involved um 
if you're always working on the highest priority thing, either the riskiest thing or the thing that has the most business value, you're just going to be mitigating, you're going to be reducing risk. And you're really increasing the likelihood that at the end of the project, you're going to end up with a thing that has more value than had you not used Agile. You know, there's some things about Agile that are harder. It requires more from the client. Yeah. And if they're, if they're not on board with it, then you, shouldn't, you probably shouldn't do Agile. And maybe you shouldn't even do the project if, they're, if you can't, if you, uh, you know, if, if, if the client is not, you know, if, you, if, if I could go to a client and say, listen, um, you know, for this particular project, I feel really strongly that we need to use an Agile process for this uh, and here's what it means for you. And they say, well, you know, I'm not, I just don't want to do that because I don't have time to be, I don't have time to look at your progress every week or I'm not going to have time to answer questions for you. Then maybe my answer is, well, Okay. Um, in that case, I'm probably not the best person to do this. So let's find someone else. So in terms of like this, the Salesforce ecosystem, do you think the way projects are sold or the way projects are structured, typically with the, kind of the waterfall approach that everyone you kind of uses for estimation, you know, they, they have this front-loaded, uh, we're going to do this discovery and we're going to do this documentation, then we're going to move into the build phase and then we're going to move to the testing phase. That Because that's so, that's such a front-load concept that by the time you start the project, it's too late to start well, Agile? My, well, my favorite thing is when you, um, when the way the project's sold is that you have, um, that they've, they've already been given estimates and there's, there's a defined scope and there's a long document for that. Right. And client signs off on it, project starts, and the first two weeks of the project is spent doing what? Official, it's right there in the agreement. Discovery. Yeah. Well, how did you do all that other stuff? How did you? How did anyone agree to all these? Agreed to schedules and amounts of money and payment terms and and payment um, milestones when you actually well, haven't done discovery that, yet. That's I easy. Mean, that's easy. You go. Okay, this is our estimate. Now let's do a discovery so we can see if that estimate is valid or so not. There, there's a whole lot of people doing whatever it takes to get a deal signed. And I'm not going to, you know, throw anyone under the bus, but it happens on the vendor side. It happens on the consulting consultant side. It happens on, you know, all 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 across the board. Well, it's a dance. It's a dance, and so and, so you dance and you say, okay, here's our estimates. It, it's 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 not guaranteed that this is this is how what it's going to cost. If you want us to get closer to a guarantee, then let's do this discovery. We can kind of have some more conversations and document things in detail. And and here's here's the other thing that that happens is is the sales pitch goes, well, once we do all this documentation of your requirements, you can continue with us or you can choose to shop that around. So it becomes this dance of, and 90% and of the time, the customer's not going to take your documentation and go, oh, you did a great job at this. I'm going to switch to another partner. No, you know, the main reason is because I, I, used, to, I used to like, I used to think, and think that, oh, I see, I see a lot of benefit to that model. You got this valuable requirements document that we all worked hard on and you did work hard on it. But you know what? It still, it still is, makes, it still is, chock full of unvalidated assumptions and it's all done at the beginning of the project before anything's been built when we're all the least informed about how this thing is going to play out. That's why that's ended up not being a very valuable document. But, you know, the thing is with Agile, I mean, I, I think it because we are, I think society trains us to think in waterfall and batch process mode and so it's 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 rare that you find people that actually know how to sell agile. You have to know how to sell it. You have to know how to um, when 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 you've got a competitor right who has provided this huge proposal 
with a with a big document and, and all this a schedule laid out and milestones laid out. Like they know what this thing is going to be by the time it's done, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have the guts to look at that customer and say, well, I mean, that's that's fine, but that is pretty much a bunch of bullshit. Fitbit. I mean, that's a that's a charade. Because you this has all been done before, you know, a single line of code has been written before, mm-hmm. you know, and and we're foregoing all the benefit of at every step when we get something built, letting that inform um the the letting us use that, you know, bring that back into the process, into the into the into the loop, right? To inform everything that comes after that. You're foregoing all of that. That's true. But I I I think another part to this is is not just whether or not we should be using Agile or not, it's, it's also the culture that you're in. Like you say, when everything's built around waterfall and you know discovery sessions and, and build phases and those kind of things, you may be a firm believer in Agile, but you're one person. You're not the product team. You're not the, you're not the, the consulting agency. Who's not? What are you talking about? You. As, as an individual. Oh, uh, in general yeah, speaking. Oh, oh, yeah. No, if, if I'm in a situation where someone has sold a big waterfall project and the Salesforce AU, it's, it's all it pitches waterfall and, the, and who, you know, who, whatever, it's all waterfall and the, and the contract is waterfall. It's, it specifies that we build it waterfall and that it's going to be paid in waterfall. Then, oh, I'm, no, I'm not going to change that at all. I have, I have no, it's way too late. Yeah. I mean, people's minds are already set. It's already, they've already been sold. They're, that's not that's that's the worst time in the world to do it. Yeah. All and, right. So, and also, I mean, the thing is, when when you're dealing with a a, a potential uh, customer who, you know, might want to hire you to build some software, um, if they've been through, if this is not their first trip to the what's the what's the phrase, you know, their their first time around the block. That's probably mm-hmm. I don't know if that has a negative <laughs> innuendo or not, but uh, they know. They know that upfront requirements and big upfront design is a bunch of crap. It's a charade. It's a it's a lie that we all sit around the table and and we smile and we're like, yeah, good job. We shake hands. You know, they know <laughs> that's a bunch of crap. Yeah, it's it's that dance. But it's people that haven't been through that. They haven't been through painful projects where they've learned all these lessons. Those are the people that I'm just like, well, maybe I'm not the right because I, I don't have time to. I mean, it would take me a month. To to try to uh, disabuse people of, of their of their uh, preconceived notions on how software is built and the realities of software development and where the what and what is the state of the art right now, right? I mean, I, I might you know I might try, but if they're if they're not if they're not receptive to the idea, then I just I, okay, that's fine. I'm just, you know I'm not I'm not your guy. All right, one, but one, so many people are nowadays. You know, this is this is such an old topic. I mean, even people who aren't experienced with software development projects, I mean, it's hard to find someone who hasn't heard of this. That's true. And if they haven't, then then that's when I really run. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> they've, they've they've at least heard of it. But so so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a final point to this and, and get your response. In that, okay, let's say that we're all doing agile. Let's let's talk about the process of agile. You mentioned you know tackling the the more complicated pieces first. And we do that in the term in the under the phrase software development, but software development in Salesforce doesn't always. No, so John's doing massive scare quotes here. Yeah, 
Uh, what are these? Oh, like, bunny ears. You're like attacking your head with them. <laughs> nah. They're bunny ears because this this uh, this exponentially uh, reproduces. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but software development in Salesforce isn't software development, at least traditionally. Uh, yeah, sure it is. Well, no, I... I Was I, software development small talk, not software development? Well... Is I, software development in Java not software development because you're not... Because it doesn't compile let, to machine let, code? Hold on, hold on. I mean, a lot of... I'm not... John, I'm, not I'm playing... The, hold on. The old school assembly guys would say if you're not developing assembly, that's not software development. <laughs> Is that, you know, it was C... I mean, they considered C not to be software development. That was a high-level language. I know. Okay. So I don't, I don't, not for a second, well, do I buy that it's not software development? I'm not I trying to argue that it's not okay. software development. Okay. What I'm saying is, is, and the reason I'm using air quotes here is because traditionally in the Salesforce ecosystem, in the community, people don't see that their point and click stuff is software development. They don't see that the process builders they're creating, the flows they're creating. It is. No, the, that's, the creation that's of point. database fields and validation rules and all those kind of things is not software development. Yeah. They want to do it in production. Fitbit. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they want to do it when they want to do it. Right. They don't want to follow this process. They, they don't, but but, yeah, but let's right. say oh, let's say okay. N now we understand that that we we have to educate and say okay, no, you have to do this in the software development process. You can't just go off and create a bunch of fields and create a bunch of metadata yeah. and then hand it off and say okay, now go do your agile stuff. Yep. Now go do your agile customizations, your development. No, it has to start from the beginning right. with the customizations of the system as well. Right. I mean, I try to explain to people how as a part of the, the software development process and the cycle that we do, at the end of a cycle, we have an exact set of bits that we've tested. And the exact set of bits includes everything from the apex to the custom objects and fields and tabs and layouts. That's all in workflow and process builders. And these things all make up the full set of bits. If you have one of those that's missing or one of those that's different, then that's a different set of bits that we haven't tested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right, it's, you know, creating a workflow. That's basically, I mean, again, John, we're all developers. This is all, what do they call it? Um, it's citizen developer. It's blue-collar development is uh, the other term. <laughs> Starts from the beginning. Yeah. No, it's, it is, um, yeah, it, it's, you have to make people realize that they are, they are coding with their hair on fire at that point if they are do, if they're creating workflows in production. Or if they're, <laughs> it's simply just, Making a field required in production. It seems so innocuous. Is that the right word? Innocent. You know, harmless. But you can bring down parts of the system by doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also, you, you may make those changes and not bring anything down, but when your development team is trying to figure out why they can't get their stuff to deploy and they're staying up all night or they just spent, you know, three hours times, you know, three or four people trying to figure out, you know, what... Oh, what? Why can't we get this deployed? It worked. It was fine in QA, and it won't. Well, that's because you were changing stuff in production, and they didn't know about it. And that set of bits that they didn't get to test doesn't work together. Right. Yeah, getting people. I try to tell people like we need to. You know, it's time for us to move up a level in the. What do I call it? the org maturity model? Right. It's not a bad word. It, that's what it is, and we need to. It's time for us to level up. And treat this like it like it deserves to be treated, which is as a system development project. Yeah. All right, All right let's move on. Next question. So thanks, Roger. Good questions. Absolutely. He, you know, he's trolling us. He just got us. He just dominated like thirty minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, he might not be the only one dominating. Yeah. Right. This this next one comes from Matt Morris. He did give us permission, so I'm going to use his name. Um, it's a long one. I don't know how to how to deal with this. Well, why don't you just you want to read? I mean, yeah, I'll yeah, read. Just it. go and read it. Yeah. Well, first he he wants to he wants to um, 
he wants to say, I hope you uh, were able to clear up the studio following last week's on-air gusher. Yeah. You know Did what? Did you want to talk were, about what you had to I do? I was to- surprised that there were no, I expected people to be laughing their asses off in the in the Slack channel on that. And I didn't hear anything. I'm like, <laughs> a few people Did chimed that? in and said, yeah. yeah. Well, I, was, I, I know we got a couple of emails about it. But I was just I was like surprised that people, you know, because when we listened to that back, I was like, okay, that that was funny. <laughs> it wasn't funny at the time, but <laughs> no, I had to bring my steam cleaner up here and wipe this place down completely. Yeah. When I came back up here that night with steam cleaner, it smelled like a drunk person had vomited all over the office. <laughs> That's what it smelled like. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you did that because yeah. I came in and well, because I haven't been here since. No, then. and the worst I've, thing I've been was gone for a week. I, I I took Sarah's car because she's got you know the little SUV thing, and I put the steam cleaner in that, and drove that here. Well, that didn't have my key card, and it was eight o'clock at night. Oh, so then I had to go back home, get the key card, and come back. You're dedicated. I know. I'm just like God. It was it. It was like three hours. <laughs> The cleaners were here and they were looking at me like, what in the hell are you doing? You know, they're, they're just vacuuming or whatever and I've got the steam cleaner. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's get to one of the questions. Uh, this one's for me. It says, John, you made a comment about how you're enjoying the ability to create a lightning component and put it anywhere you wish on the page using the app builder. This got me thinking about the good old days of Windows development when crimes against sensible user interface design were widespread. Yeah, especially the VB apps. Yeah. I'd like to hear... If either of you think that the freedom of lightning is going to lead to UI anarchy or have sales or have Salesforce done a solid job of defining standards and providing now, resources. I have to point out the reason you tripped over that is because he speaks British English, which is I don't know, is that a <laughs> is that a is British. that a, is that redundant? Yeah, when they refer to an entity like a company, it's it's a in their minds it's a plural. It's a Salesforce, it means many people. That's why he says have Salesforce. Now, in American English, we would say has has Salesforce done a right. like it's a single company like we're referring to the company whereas in the Brits they they're referring to the people so they use the plural helping verbs is that what it's called plural I guess the I guess yeah. or that he meant to, he meant to type <clears throat> has and type no has. no it's a, it's it's <laughs> it's probably proper English that's the way it's supposed to be said right okay so let me tack on my you know ignorant question which is I didn't think Lightning really put let you put anything anywhere yes. For the most part. But I thought things had to slot into uh, columns. And they just, you have this few columns that you can stack your blocks into. It can, but I mean, for all intents and purposes. I mean, you, you, can't, have a, you can't have a floating uh, no, no. module that's in the shape of the state of Texas, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be an awesome component, but. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't get too literal about it, but there's still some I'll kind of grid. I'll file a report for that. There's still some kind of grid that you have to kind of deal with and work within, but. Um, yeah, you, you can't put something over the, um, or ab- above the the horizontal menu at the top. You know, you can't do things like that. I mean, there are places goodness, where. Thank because people would do that. I, I know, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, this is this is UI on Rails, liter- literally, kind of, right? And I remember last week we kind of touched on this a little bit too. And I, mean, my, I mean, I mean, literal in the metaphorical sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I kind of touched on that last week because I, in saying that that you can put anything everywhere, I have noticed that people were creating some really ugly screens. They were creating things that were yeah. god awful. You know, even within the even within the constraints of like hey, things yes. have to go in these columns, they still yes. they still screw it up. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if it's the clients requesting it or if it's just the 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 people who are implementing it. But I've seen things where you know related lists were prioritized in a sidebar over detail, and it was this you had the detail squished in this tiny little thing that goes on forever, and then you have these gigantic yeah. related lists. Uh, the you know the prioritization of 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 what you're looking at or how much information you're consuming. People are throwing everything on a single tab, or you had the the opposite problem where, where you have people with creating too many tabs, and they're starting to stack. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think we're definitely headed to anarchy in terms of UI and. I think Salesforce could put some trails out there though, on like you know sensible sensible ways to think about UIs when you're doing Lightning. Maybe they, maybe there are some out there. I, yeah. I, I have no idea. Well, I think it comes down to the community because even with Salesforce Classic. Um, people were doing some pretty ugly things. They were organizing things in weird ways. Uh, in fact, I think one of Shell Black's more popular articles or white spaces was, or white spaces, uh, whiteboards, was about how to organize things um, on your screens, was where to put the related lists, you know, how, how where it makes sense in terms of, you know, all that kind of stuff. You didn't have a lot of options, did you? You didn't, but it still mattered. It still mattered. You ordered know, how matters, you, right? Ordered mattered, yeah. And how you define sections <laughs> and, and how you put things in the sections. And yes, you can create three-column sections, I, I believe, but no one did it because it just didn't make sense. It, it didn't work well within the constraints of the screen. It wasn't responsive, so things got squished and you couldn't really read it. Um, for things that are long form, you know, maybe well, maybe put them in a section with a long thing. I mean, that, that's a this is a long way to say there's nothing that's going to protect us from horrible UIs. People are still going to do them. Yeah. It's just these are the same people who will give you an Excel spreadsheet that's got the most. They'll use they'll change the background colors instead of using a nice um, low saturated pastel or something. It's like bright yellow background, flaming yeah. red background. It's like oh my god, you're burning my eyeballs out with your Excel and I can't even read it. Yeah, how, how are you? Are you colorblind? <laughs> how do you even <laughs> see this? How do you not see that this is offensive? <laughs> yeah, but there there are resources, there are materials. Um, in fact, that kind of man, I, I can segue into a lot of different things, and I'll talk about this more later because it does. To stay focused. It, it does seg- <clears throat> I, I, Yeah, I'll I'll talk more about this later. But there are materials out there for, you know, the design system, at least when it comes to Lightning, and you know, the thoughts behind it, and the methodology behind it, and the best practices, or at least the what You're, Salesforce considers how you should be using this design system. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a design guide. Yeah. Design system. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, beyond the present, this is uh, continuing the question. Next question. Beyond the presentation of the UI, are there risks that business logic will bleed into the JavaScript controller and helper classes? And yes, absolutely. And it's going to get worse with the uh, inclusion of the data services layer because more of that will be in the in the JavaScript uh, controller slash helper classes. Yeah. Which, you know, part of me is like, yes, that would be great. I don't have to make that extra call. It'll be in the JavaScript, and I can have access to that data, and I can manipulate it there. But yes, that does mean more logic is going to make it into the JavaScript. Um, there's no enforcement of testing frameworks or anything yet, so that logic isn't going to be tested. So if you really care about regression testing everything, keep it in your Apex controllers until we uh, work out how to test JavaScript. Yeah, that's going to be an issue. Uh, and the other thing is, you can still break the whole page with your component. Yeah, I mean, it is just JavaScript yeah. running on running on a web page. Yeah. So I mean, it, I I want to do the least amount in JavaScript as I can, even though I love JavaScript and I want to put more in it. I still try to limit what I do in it because I just know I can break that screen. Yep. Even unintentionally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't want that flashing animated logo with an error dialog box that won't go away no matter what you do. <laughs> no. All right, the next one. Uh, do you think that the counter of these potential problems is down to peer review or code review or do you or do Salesforce development teams need to update the procedures? Let me take this one. Uh, so I think, I mean, if you have, you know, I don't know what you call it, immature developers, I guess. Um, Junior devs? The idea, and oh. if they if they don't you know, know how to write high, you know, I would say nice hygienic code, then 
either review or better yet, they just need to pair with with a, um, a senior, more senior developer. That's really the best way. Code review is 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 second best, I would say, because it's it's after it's still after the fact, and people are it's more morale wise. It's uh, since it's not as good to have and you know to wait for the code review before they say, yeah, you did this all wrong. You keep doing this all wrong. Yeah. Not only that, it creates a bottleneck too. I mean, you're you're basically taking your best resources, your senior developers, and dedicating them to reading other people's code instead of actively developing. Right. Now, do Salesforce development teams need to update their procedures? Update the procedures. Yeah, I mean, if they've got bad procedures, I guess. I don't, I don't know that Lightning requires any different you know, overall process than anything else. It's the same... I think the same, you know, most of the same principles and processes apply to Lightning as apply to systems development. Yeah, I think so. But I, I think I think understanding the technology and understanding where it's useful and where, where it could potentially cause more risk, maybe issues slash risk, is good for the company at least to outline or at least the product team or the consulting agency to say, you know what, when it comes to these things, yes, I know you can do it here, but let's do it over here instead because we have either a better procedure or it's, it's, there's better risk management there as opposed to putting it client-side where things could, could break easily. Yeah. Um, so so maybe, maybe it's just an enhancement or maybe just an ongoing thing where you're just kind of setting the guidelines to say, we've got this new thing and here's how we expect it to be used. Yeah. And that could be evolving, but... Sounds like they need some best practices. <laughs> I was trying not to use that word. <laughs> Uh, okay, so example uh, examples uh, line of business apps from Windows days, which stuck in my memory, a dozen tabs or more on a single tab strip, with option to have a single row with scroll button or multiple level rows, which is similar I don't to know, the classic maybe, tab interface. It does. What yeah. sounds like <laughs> Salesforce, <laughs> just the how you can you know the plus sign. You ever notice also because Salesforce, you know, the classic does not really have any um, responsive technologies. Sometimes when you when Salesforce, like when it first loads the page, the tab strip will actually shoot way out. But right. then there's some JavaScript that runs like on, you know, after stuff's rendered that then brings that back in and adds a little plus sign. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see, another one. Tab strip controls inside the tab of other tabs. Tabception. Tabs, yeah. Tabception. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, I, I'm mad at Matt. Must he's got he's such a scarred person, isn't he? He's he's lived through such horrible well, events. <laughs> I, I see it as similar to to uh, tree, the tree control. Uh, n- you know, where you have nested nodes, and you know, nested nodes to a certain degree are fine. You know, one level, maybe two levels, no more than three levels. Yeah. The same with your code. If you're indenting more than three levels, you need to move that to another yeah, function. Yeah. And I think it's the same with UI. I mean, the more you nest that thing, the the worse it gets. Yeah, use of disabled input edit controls to display read-only data, right? Yeah. Um, mo- modal dialog windows launched from modal. Yeah, I saw it. Someone sent me a... Did you send me that the other day? Someone sent me a screenshot of a modal that had opened a modal. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, tree controls that, right, with really high depth. Use of fixed colors for background and controls rather than system colors, Right. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. I was always really picky about that. Making even though I even even if I did not like the UI or the color, I would try to stick with native because someone you because you could change that. It's just the same with browsers. You, but now look at this last one. Home home drone button bitmaps. Um yeah. we spent hours on them. Yeah. Um in Visual was it called Visual Studio back then? I guess so. 
there was a tool for for doing that. Really? His buttons were buttons were basically there were you know you'd have to create a resource a Windows resource that I remember it had a resource yeah. editor and it was basically yeah, just that's a, what it was that a pixel grid editor. that you yeah. could you know click a color off and yeah. on yeah I think Matt looks must look young for his age <laughs> he just you know <laughs> he's he's lived through some rough times <laughs> he's an old soul yeah he is. Anyway, he's been reincarnated a few he times. He says, full disclosure, I've committed all of the above crimes in my younger days. I've, I've committed so many crimes. It's really oh, I have too. Oh, I, mean, it's just... yeah. I, I will always remember the program that we, we lovingly dubbed Graphics, G-R-A-F-X. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was chock full of that, that kind of stuff. That. And that's the thing, you know, I've, um, I, I was basically a self-taught programmer, and I didn't know the first, I didn't know what, that software patterns were a thing. I knew nothing about, you know, software engineering. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until, I don't know, I mean, like several, I accomplished several like professional level software development projects I got paid for. I mean, I was kind of doing this for a living before I start, before I realized that there was kind of this whole world of stuff that I needed to know. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know, but but you don't again. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. But the, once I learned some of the things I did know, that's okay. Oh, I need to go learn that. And so I'd either go to you know conferences or find someone to ask questions to, or go get you know the the, the you know canonical books, yeah, seminal works <laughs> on these various topics. And well, that's always important, kind of figuring out or stumbling upon the things that you don't know. And caring enough to want to go learn more about it, even if it's just a high level, you know, I don't, I don't know what this concept is. Let me go look it up because you never know when that's going to. But come. The, the best way to learn is just to get on a good team, yeah, and pair with smart people. Anyway, yeah, he thanks us for you know, having a, sh- a good show and on a regular schedule. It's one of the high points of his week. Oh, see, so we shouldn't skip a week. Yeah, except when we're on vacation. I know. Okay, next. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Those were good. Uh, we can use the name. So, Stephen, Steve, St- Stephen, Stephen Noe, Stephen Noe. Why do I always want to call it Stephen? <laughs> Since Jeremy is resisting any lightning development, <laughs> what's John's take on the good, bad, and ugly with SLDS? That's the Salesforce Latter Day Saints. Yeah. <laughs> any lessons learned or gotchas to share? So, I, I have to clarify <laughs> first of all. I don't resist lightning development. I just. I don't have. I haven't had an opportunity yet. Literally, I have not had an opportunity, and it's just it's not feasible yet. And I probably should be keeping up more just with like with what's happening with Lightning. But I don't. I have a day job, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and plus, if I if your day job could be building plus, Lightning, if components. I got if I got any Lightning work, I just outsource it to John. <laughs> <laughs> but then you won't learn. No, you can teach me. I'll pair with you. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing separate keyboards and, and mouse. I want you to touch my keyboard. No, I want to do that. What was that stupid show where they were they were getting hacked by hackers and they both like she said, I'm not fast enough. He's too fast. Yeah. And then like both jumped on the same computer and were typing away to oh, beat the hacker. God. I forgot. It was like some kind of NCIS show or something. Yeah. Those are horrible. <laughs> and then Oh, and then he so he does come in. He says, an unrelated comment. Jeremy's exploding beer on air was definitely the funniest thing I've heard on a podcast. Thanks for the belly laugh. Oh, see, there you go. I know. Got some, got some uh <laughs> Laughing at your misery. No, it was, it was funny. It, it's, I, I definitely, I mean, I did cut the part out where we were like trying to do some first aid and clean stuff up. Yeah. But I, I left in, you know, the event just because I thought, oh, you can't cut this out. That yeah. would be, that would be dishonest. It would. I think the, the sad part is, is you kind of knew it was going to happen. 
you're warning me that it was it might happen. Well, that was and yet we did not do you anything know I, to prepare. I failed to knock on wood as I was describing what can happen with these you know naturally <laughs> fermented beers that have been in a bottle for years. What wood do we have in here? Maybe the well, is my does this particle board on my desk count? I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. Um, well, okay. So let me let me take a uh, first stab at this question because I'll be wrong. But isn't one of the issues that I guess that's on the bad side with SLDS is that it's really not ag- <laughs> it's not actually exactly what Lex uses because Lex is a moving target. Yeah, and, and SLDS I- because it's released and it's it's kind of it's kind of an API. I mean, it's it's a release thing that they're like, okay, here program against this, form dependency against these assets. Right. Because of that, that is, by definition is going to have a longer lifespan than uh, Lex, which is not a published thing. I mean, sure, you could glom onto their CSS classes, but you're not supposed to. No, and don't. Right, and don't. Don't. I've done it. Yeah. Already. And I already broke stuff. Right. So they, <laughs> so they, they have different lifespans. And, and that's why what you get with SLDS is not necessarily what, where Lex is. Yeah, yeah. Am I, I, I right we, or wrong on that, John? You're, you're right. We've okay. talked about that drift. Well, I, I, I approach the subject as a drift happening because I noticed that things in the design system were rendering differently than the way Salesforce's latest release was rendering. Um, even the components themselves, that the, 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 the components that they create, so like the force input component or the force card component or lightning card component, um, the way it renders is different from the way the design system renders it. Yeah. And it's even different from the way native Salesforce does, renders it. Um, and that kind of stuff bugs me. And it's almost like a uh, an HTML app trying to mimic a native app, right? Yeah. But I mean, the good thing is, is that it's it's close enough. You you feel like it's still lightning. You Clo- still f- it's close enough for enterprise software. No, 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 no. It, it's close enough for for not me, people. For not, pe- not you. Yeah, I I I, uh, I get really anal about. Well, that's that's a fair I, word. I get really particular about. So you can cut that out. I get really particular about pixels. And and even radius of things. So like one of my pet pieces on the card component, you can you can tell it what icon to render, but the the uh, the the radius mm-hmm. percentage is different in the design system in the right. the native uh, the corner radius. Yeah, the okay. corner radius that the component that that you're supposed to use when you're developing custom, and the the native, all three of those have different radiuses radiuses radii radii. So, so that bugs me because it's not consistent. Yeah. I can tell that that's not a native component, and when I'm developing stuff, I want it to look native. Well, the good thing is that this is enterprise software, and you're 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 caring way too much about the details, John. <laughs> so, so for not me's, it, it's good, and uh, and I like it, and I think you should be using it. Um, also, you know, if you're developing custom component, components, even if you're using the the ones that they provide, like the lightning card or the lightning button or whatever whatever it happens to be, if you want to modify those or create some variant of it. You can use the classes from the design system. You should be using the class, this classes from the design system. So you can you can modify those if you want to add some padding or something like that. You can you can do that as well using those. So um, for people creating custom UIs, um, yeah, use the design system. Make it look like Salesforce, yeah. but do so carefully. You know, try to find some analog in Salesforce for what you're trying to do, and try to get it to come close to that. I see people creating these off-the-wall crazy things and sticking it in Salesforce, and it looks so different. It's jarring. Yeah. It's like jumping back into classic. Right. Hey, John, what's it called when you're programming in Lightning and you create a bug? Uh, lightning bug? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, lightning bugs. Right. 
Uh, yeah, so I think the ugly things would be just kind of either overusing it, using things in places where you shouldn't be using it. Um, <clears throat> like maybe creating, I don't know. There's there, there's some weird ways to use it. Have you used lightning out? Uh, yeah, I have. Then use the LDS for that? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, lightning out really lets you... Oh, that's lightning exposed, right? Yeah, so that you, don't, you don't have to do LDS for that, right? You don't. Okay. Uh, the, the, the first versions of lightning, you had to include the design system, but now you don't. Um, but on your Visual Force pages, you do have to include the lightning design system in a static resource. Um, and you'll want to use scoped versions because otherwise you'll you'll affect the native UI. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I could go on and on. And I probably will because that kind of gets into the topic that I'll be doing at Texas Dreaming. So if you're going to be in the Austin area and you want to hear Ooh. more thoughts on the Shameless lightning design plug. system, you know, yeah. I will be doing a, a talk on that. <clears throat> All right. Um, we have another email, which I think may be anonymous, right? You have to be careful on this. <clears throat> Uh, yes, yes, this one is anonymous. All right, I'll, I'll read this first one. I, are these just, I can read these, right? Yeah. Straight out, okay. Who do I think? I am a, about 10 times more productive in .NET compared to Salesforce, but I make twice as much compared to what I can compare as a C-sharp developer. Uh, every day I go home, knowing how uh, little work I did, it's depressing. How did Salesforce manage to achieve this? Amazing sales and marketing team? And I think you, I think you have to thank Benioff, right? <laughs> no, I just think you got to thank the market. I mean, it, it's supply and demand. It's it, Salesforce isn't dictating the price of a of a Salesforce developer, um, but they did create the technology that created the demand. So if you want to thank them for that, and I think that's really comes down to is it's a it's a niche. You know, not every programmer is going to want to say, okay, I want to do a Salesforce only CRM development. You know, a lot of developers want to do React and mobile and web and all that kind of stuff. And that's their interest. That's what makes them happy. But if you... Well, and also, I mean, I would argue that the re one reason why you're 10 times more productive in .NET than Salesforce is because maybe he, maybe he's this is what he's saying, but those, that's just a more productive platform. Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, you, it, is that what he's saying? I, I think so. I mean, the, well... I don't think there's, a, there's a lot more... There's a lot, there's a lot better tooling. There's a lot more uh, better frameworks and a... Uh, a number of options in terms of frameworks and things you can use. Um, you can run and develop locally. You can run and set up your own environment. And just performance in general, right? I mean, and then, yeah, and then performance in general. Um, with Salesforce, you have one path. That's that's a uh, write your code and send it to Salesforce to compile and wait right, for the response. Right. Um, uh, and then th there's also things you don't have to deal with the with the limitations of the platform in terms of you know governor limits and things like that. That that changed the way you would write something. Right, like. I mean, there's just a lot of time spent in Salesforce development on, on non-productive things. Right, and then there's the lack of features, the, the, you know, generics, things that you would use to make, you know, make your code. Packages. Packages, namespaces, namespaces whatever, whatever generics, uh, reflection, yeah. uh, all those things that, that we use to, 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 you know, gain efficiencies and make better, more manageable products. Right, more manageable, that's a great, yeah. that's a great word for it. Okay, when does Salesforce become a wrong choice? As a Salesforce customer, if you can solve your business problem with no changes to Salesforce, it's a perfect solution. Okay, if you have time to hire an admin to change things, it's still a good solution. As a cost of building something like this, it, in, in any other stack, would be far more expensive than what you will pay Salesforce. Once you start adding Apex code and custom, you know, Visual Force and Lightning, and write more JavaScript code, then you start questioning if buying the Salesforce is a wise move. At what point do you think Salesforce is not worth it? And you just sort of use some other stack. 
Uh, for example, if the only way to achieve 80% of your requirements through custom Apex and JavaScript is Salesforce the right solution. Oh, man. Um, so that's, you know, the, I have to start off with the, the standard consultant answer, which is it depends. Yeah. It just depends. I mean, um, am I going to build the, the next, you know, VC-funded uh, social media app in, in, <laughs> on the intelligent customer success platform? Absolutely not. Yeah. But I mean, do I need stuff for my salespeople to use and and maybe my customer support team? Um, am I going to build that? No. I'll do it on Salesforce and I, I'll customize it. And even, even if I have to spend a lot of time customizing, I'm still getting so much out of the box with Salesforce that you'd have to rebuild. I mean... I mean, just so much, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're getting you're getting the database with a, with a bunch of value added a, a database and security and authentication security, and, and all security this, all and the, authentication is big. Right, the declared all the declarative stuff, um, all the APIs out of the box. I mean, just I mean, which that, I think why database.com existed, but it, I don't think it ever got traction mainly because of the cost. Because if, if you're developing well, a product, it's, it's not a good database product. First of all, it, the core product itself was not a compelling product at all. On top of that, the licensing model made zero sense for ninety nine point nine percent of people. Well, I think that was the bigger bigger issue because I think people are willing to 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 trade some flexibility and some decision on that platform if they get some out of the no, box no, authentication and I, I security. Mean, and also the fact that it's SQL. I mean, just that's a deal breaker. Right, you're not going to laugh you out of the room. No one's going to choose that. For their database, who's going to laugh you out of the room? Any developer that's yeah. considering a, you know, a, you know, they're looking at maybe an Amazon hosted database. They're looking at a Heroku, Postgres, and then this database.com thing, which is scaled way back in functionality. You don't actually actually have any tables that you can directly interact with. Right. It's got this way stripped down uh, language instead of SQL. It's the licensing makes no sense. I mean, that's why I didn't go anywhere. I always ask people to show me one example of a someone who's using database.com that's not already a Salesforce customer. And there was just never I never saw one. Well, because if they're using database.com, then they're a Salesforce customer. I think it's easy for all of us to forget though that the the value and as much and I and you know, I mean Salesforce is is it's not cheap, you know, it's actually quite expensive. Um but you have to really consider all the value that you get with Salesforce. And I think it's easy for all of us to take it for granted because we've been, we've had it. Yeah. You know, for however long we've been working with, that's how long you've had all this stuff. And you just, you don't think about all the work that went into building that. Yeah. And I have to admit that when I'm starting something from scratch and I realize I have to do authentication, I'm like, crap. <laughs> and your authentication is going to have holes in it. Yes. That that's Guaranteed. the bigger issue. It's going to have holes. Security, in it. and I'm like, oh crap! Not only do I have to create Sell? authentication, but now I got to plug all the holes. Yep. I got to go and freaking get myself back up on the speed on on all the different security holes and all the things I'm supposed to guard against. Salesforce spends Salesforce spends untold injection. millions of dollars on security. How much are you going to spend on security? Yeah, exactly. But that's why I think things like a uh, OAuthing with your Twitter and Facebook account has become more popular these days. Yeah, it's just you don't want to do yeah. that yourself. Yeah. I mean, because there's always an example of, you know, some place getting hacked because they they thought they were salting passwords, right? Their hashes, right? But they, they actually weren't. They were doing some, you know, something else or it wasn't being done right. Or, and it's just, you don't, you don't want to do that. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's not, that's not value. That's not a valuable place to be working anyway. I mean, for most of us, unless your business is creating authentication systems, you know, like, um, one login or what's Okta or one of these guys, you know, that's, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be doing that. 
I mean, obviously I'm speaking in generalities, but you generally want to, or, you know, whatever, for whatever organization you're working for, where do they, where, what is their value add in their, in the value chain? Right. That's where you want to be coding as close to that as possible. And outsource the rest or else you're probably going to go out of business. So that last question, if the only way to achieve 80% of your requirement is through Apex slash JS. I think he's saying if, yeah, if you're having to code 80% of what you need anyway. But I, I, I argue that number. I would, I would dispute that number. But that 80% is skewed by the fact that you don't have to code authentication, you don't have to code database, that's, you don't have to point, code, yeah. or you don't have to have an ORM. I yeah. mean, it's all, it's all there for you. Right. So. No. But I mean, if, if, if. The core parts of the Salesforce platform, I mean, the, 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 you know, the scalable metadata platform, right? The, the page layouts and, and record types and profiles and all these things, if those aren't valuable to you for, for your use cases, then you probably, maybe you shouldn't use Salesforce then. Yeah. But if all that makes sense, and for a lot of companies, the vast majority of companies, I think, it, I think at that type of month, they do need that because everyone has a sales department. Everyone's got a support department. Everyone's doing marketing. And Salesforce is building that for the, for the 80% of companies out there. You know, if you're in the twenty percent where like it just doesn't, it, you know, fewer stuff fits than than, or wait, less stuff fits. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> most of it doesn't make sense. Why can't I say this? I don't know. Where most of it doesn't make sense for you, then then it probably doesn't. You know, do something else. Maybe there's a different platform that's better. <clears throat> Firebase or some other thing. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. All right, we got. One last comment, okay. um, and this is, uh, why don't you guys record a show in two weeks in Austin? You will have all the cast from the Slack channel. If you want an extra mic, I have one, blah, blah, blah. I thought about that. We do have the, we know, we do have the capability. We have a mobile rig. We do. <clears throat> it's, it's not bad. We, no, we did our Dreamforce sessions fine. from there. Yeah. yeah. We should, we should. I've thought about that actually, that, that would be fun. So during the ha happy hour record a show? Probably so. I would say so. Or or have a separate session where we're doing the show. I think that may be our only opportunity. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, Wait, let's, we let's, probably let's, should discuss this in the in the Slack channel. Yeah, we'll do it in the Texas Dreaming channel, okay. and uh, not only if if we should do it, but also what topics we should cover. Oh, I don't think it's uh, in in some kind of you know in depth insightful episode. It's just like a no. But I th I think having a topic will will be more engaging or at least allow us to talk about something other than, oh, this is a good beer. Next. I like this beer too. I'm, Next. I'm totally fine with a silly episode that's just people introducing themselves, talking about, you know, why they listen to the podcast and something about themselves and what they're uh, drinking and just, you, you just pass the mic seems like an ego room. stroke. Here, tell me why you love the podcast no, and no, no, why I'm you're just, here today. I didn't say why they like the podcast. Maybe they don't <laughs> like it. Maybe they, maybe they like to listen to it because it's a freaking train wreck every week and we're exploding <laughs> beers all over the place and Talking nonsense. That's fine too. Let's but, nerd. Or, I say, let, or why a, they're why they're text stream. Whatever. I don't know. It's a. It's let's nerd out on some Salesforce stuff, man. Let's let's yeah. let's put a topic and and let's let's just pick it apart. Okay. Whatever. Or maybe just let people talk about whatever they want. Like bring your own topics. Byot. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. But I mean, if, you know, we bring the beer. You bring the topics. Yeah. It depends on how many people are there. <laughs> I mean, if there's you know, we there's 25 people in the room, and you know, that might be difficult. Yeah. Play it by ear. Um, we do have a review if you want to oh, cover a review. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, great for non-developers. Uh, this one's from Paulski. Now, see, I like this. I like this because some people, I feel like sometimes we're pigeonholed as a developer podcast. I know we, I know we get into it sometimes, but I, I hopefully, I hope we spend on a, enough time on non-developer stuff, or we can at least relate it back enough that people get something out of it. If you're, you know, if you're not a developer. Well, we do 
We are the Salesforce podcast on iTunes. Okay. Or no, oh, I, I thought we said developer. I guess we don't. No, we don't. We don't. We just say Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we didn't pigeonhole ourselves. No. Uh, so the review is, uh, even if you can't write a line of code, if you work with Salesforce.com at all, you'll get a lot from this podcast, from what's going on in the tech industry in general to what Benioff said recently to the rabbit holes of developing on the platform. John and Jerry, Jeremy cover a lot of ground, and it's all good. I don't know about all good, but I'll take it. <laughs> Who is that from? Uh, Paul, Paul Ski, 74. Cool. Thanks, Paul. Well, I just want to say, for all the questions that came in and the reviews, I want to give everybody a round of applause. You know, uh, I, th- I don't know. I think we can, I can speak for both of us. Certainly, me. I'm a very broken person, and this uh, does it does good to my good things to my uh, to your ego. My ego, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a broken soul. You are. You need a lot of ego stroking. Um, let me just let me look real here and see if there's anything uh, else I wanted to cover. There was one or two things <laughs> I wanted to cover. Okay. Well, we're, we're running long, so let's get to those. Hey, um, uh, real quick. If you if you're getting Salesforce, you can go to the. Do you, you know what WeWork is? The um, they're kind of national now. They're it's a co-working okay. co-working sites. So they run a bunch of co-working sites all over the country. Um, they have their own little digital store where companies that sell stuff to businesses can sell their stuff there. Well, Salesforce is on there not, and you can get thirty percent off Salesforce if you just buy it through WeWork if their store. Oh, cool! Yeah, store.wework.com. Awesome. <laughs> WeWork. We work for a discount. I guess so. <laughs> we work for beer. <laughs> All right. No, my, my <laughs> wife won't let me do that. No. I tried. Mm. She expects money. Yeah. Dang she it. expects to have, be able to pay what's the mortgage. What's up with these women nowadays? Stuff. I don't know. Okay. Well, let's see. What's your thing? Um, I just had a few highlights that I wanted to go over on the the uh, summer. summer. Even though this is pre-release, this is, this is not the final word on what's coming. But we have some some release notes, and they are pre-release. So you're gonna get into release notes at two hours in. Yeah, there's just a few I want to. Talk. Okay, fine. Okay. I'll do it next. Week. No, go. Do it. Let's no, do next it. week is Let's good. Let's do them fast. Give us a preview of what's to come, John. Uh, so locker service is gonna get enforced. Okay. And I I agree better with this approach than 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 keep keeping pro- postponing. I can't. Why can't I say that? I agree with this approach that that they're announcing versus keep postponing it to get everyone ready to turn locker service on. And that is that they're gonna make it a uh, version feature. So version 40, which is going to be summer summer 17, locker service will be enforced and any of your code that's written targeted for that will get locker enforced. How long do you think you're going to see version 39 code being created? Probably for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but at least at least for those that that just they just don't have the time, resources or whatever to 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 make it locker enabled, um they at least they can breathe easy. Man, I, I don't know if I agree with that solution. That means just for a long time now people are going to be creating new Stuff that can violate the security policy. I don't know how that makes sense. That doesn't make me feel good about that about that security policy. Well, it oh, well okay, that is true. But I will say this: <laughs> they shouldn't have let us do it in the first place. Then, well, they didn't know. They didn't think about this. How did they not think about this? You, do we need to go back to the agile conversation? This is exactly <laughs> this is why agile, right? I mean, this is why you don't do a big upfront design because you're going to get eighty thousand things wrong. Look, when, can't possibly think through every, they started, every detail. When I, they knew that they were going to have to secure these pages, and maybe they just didn't know exactly how or, or exactly yeah, what the had, ramifications they had, they of, the, of their proposal other, was going to be. They had too many other problems to solve in front of them, and too many other and things to think about in front of them. It. Or, or they're just going no, to they they're gonna have to right. live with this. They're going to have to live with this. That's part of it. They do have to live with it. But at some point, 
I mean, at some point, yes, this is a this is a Salesforce platform. You don't own this, and they're allowed to create new rules. They will create new rules. Oh, yeah. They will raise prices. They will create new rules. They will do whatever they want. And this is just part of the program that you're in, and you're gonna have to deal with it. Well, now they have to deal with code version 39. Yeah, not enforcing Locker. Well, how long will you be able to create code version 39? items though like net new there's never a restriction i mean can you go create a 13 right now i think so really maybe i don't know (laughs) i know they stop they what they only officially support like three release versions or something is that right well no i think they'd support more than that no i mean officially support like if you have a class and you need help they'll be like no get it up to the current version then we'll help you i think i think because it's old technology um we're getting instance of back so, except for on arrays, which I'm not sure why, but we'll be able to do instance when of. we lose instance of? With locker service, you wouldn't... You, oh, in JavaScript. In JavaScript, okay. yeah, because you, they were abstracting it, apparently, and so they gave it back, which I think is cool. Um, one of my features... I would love to know. If anyone knows the details behind what was insecure about instance of, I'd, I'm thinking right now, and I can't think of what that would be, but I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um, the, but the, in the notes, it mentioned something that I was unaware of, and there's, there's this, apparently this test tool um, called uh, Locker Service API Viewer. And I'll put it in the show notes, but you can go to it and you can run all the tests. So you can run the tests on secure window and it tells you what the browser supports and then what Locker supports. So you, it's, a, it's a test run of all these features and it'll tell you what's supported and what's not and what the browser supports and what Locker doesn't support. So I'll put it in the show notes because I think that's going to be a pretty good tool for kind of figuring out if you can do something or not. Uh, and then the last thing I'll just highlight is that uh, I talked about last week how there was one feature that I just couldn't live without, and that was creating new buttons because I couldn't pass information to the new record method. Yeah. Um, in this next release, I'll finally get that. How, um, does, how does that work? Uh, so whenever you call that function, there's another object parameter, I believe, um, that's going to be default values. And so you can tell it what the mm. default values are going to be. Uh, it is restricted to what the user can see and what's on the page. So you won't be able to add any extra values to things in the background, like hidden so fields. It's probably a UI thing. It is very much a UI okay. thing. But at the very least, at least I can create my new button with context of the record they were on, and they don't have to go and search and all yep. that kind of stuff. So so I'll leave it at that. There's plenty more in there that I think is is pretty valuable. It's going to be a pretty big release in, of fixes, especially for Lightning. Um, so definitely you know, go out and read that and stay up to date. Um, also in Summer 17, you can uh, convert existing pick lists to global value sets. Oh, really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. That was a, a, a hat tip to a, an, a very special anonymous listener. <laughs> and to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Okay, so this is John and Jeremy coming at you from another time and place in space, whatever, uh, because we forgot to tell you that um, and as part of a planning, um, a, a gathering, a Good Day Sir gathering at uh, Texas Stream in Austin, that we put together a sign-up sheet. Um, we want to get an idea, right, of how many people are interested in attending to, so we can find out whether or not we'll have to get, like, reservations somewhere. Yeah, because that'll help us kind of decide if what type, what type of place we need, how big it needs to be, and how many people, and whether or not we have to reserve something. Exactly. So um, if you are planning on going... And joining us at our happy hour thing, which is going to be Thursday evening, probably as soon as like sessions get out. We don't know when that is yet. <clears throat> yeah, probably sometime between four and six p.m. Uh, but if you'd like to join us, uh, we'd love to have you. And so please go to gooddayserpodcast.com dot com slash happy hour. Yeah, 
And what do you just, you just put in your email address and that adds you automatically? Is that what it is? Yeah, just your email address and that's all you need to do. Okay. So we don't, we don't even know names of who these people are unless their email address is there and represents their name somehow. I just figured email address would be easier that way. If, if um, once we know everything, maybe I can send a mass calendar or something. Okay. Yeah. So if you'll do that, that'd be great. And like I said, it just gives us a, a, just a ability to plan so we don't get, end up in a situation where we, you know, too many people descend on a place and they can't, they can't handle it. Right. And so we have a place on? for everyone to sit. Exactly. Someone's having to stand up or yeah. hang out outside. <laughs> right. Stand in the street. Yeah. All right. Anything else? That's it. Uh, yeah. We didn't do the, you know, share us on the socials. Right. Wow, you forgot e- email that. Email us, info at, I know, I was failing. How could you in, do Info that? at, info at dot com. Star us, heart us, like us, recommend us. All the good things. All right, thanks, okay. guys. Thanks. After that, I say good day, sir. Uh-huh. Again. <laughs>